762. If you got a Schofield King James Bible. Amen. Isaiah 57. How many find your place? All right. Well, you want to keep your Bible open to this morning for the message. Isaiah chapter 57, verse number 19. I create the, li- the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is, afar, that is far off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea. When it cannot rest, whose waters cast up myrrh and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Now, I want you to look right up to verse number 15. And let's read this verse together. Ready? For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. I thought it would simply be God's answer for troubled times. God's answer for troubled times. Let's go to the throne of grace. Andrew, would you lead us to the throne of grace, my friend? Amen. You can be seated. One of the most dangerous areas for selling a ship in the world today is called, is at the southern tip of South America in a region known as Cape Horn or the Drake Passage. This is where the Pacific, the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean Meet. The winds and the waves of the sea are always blowing. In the winter time, gale forces blow 30% of the time. It means they constantly blow at 70, uh, 70 to 80 miles per hour with gusts up to 90 miles per hour. Waves of 35 feet high are common 
and road waves can be as high as a hundred feet. The air is clammy, cold, there's no calm, no stability, no rest, or no peace. The sea is constantly tossed and turned. The roar of the wind is deafening, drowning out almost all other sounds. The spray from the sea mist is blinding and limits sight. And the sea is troubled at Cape Horn almost all the time. And the traits of this place, the Bible says, there is no peace to the wicked. Literally, their lives are in turmoil all the time. They're tossed to and fro here and yonder. And their life does not have any peace whatsoever. What a sad place to be. And God has an answer for that. In Isaiah 57, now this is not the message and uh, you may want to get a copy of the notes because I've listed all ten of these. Isaiah 57, we find the traits, the condition of no peace in this troubled world. We find in verse 1 and 2, the influence of godly people is missing. The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart. The merciful men are taken away. None consider that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Literally, there's no influence of godly people. Second, now I'm going to go through these fast. So you want to get a copy of the notes because I want to get to where God's answer. And thank God He has an answer for troubled times. He has an answer for our troubled times. He has an answer for the troubled times of our nation. We see the influence of godly people was missing. Satan, the infatuation and worship of Satan. Draw near, but draw near hither, ye sons, or sorceries. They are literally witchcraft and, and uh, satanic worship. Number three, immorality. Notice what the Bible says. The seed of the adulterer and the whore. Literally, the immorality. The Bible says in Proverbs 5, 3, For the lips of a strange woman drop his honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, and her steps take hold on hell. Number four, irreverence. Verse number four. Against whom do you sport yourselves? Against whom make ye wide mouth and draw out the tongue? In other words, an indifference of an irreverence. Making fun of, if you will. <coughs> Number five, idolatry. 
give me just a little more volume. My voice is terrible. I feel fine, but this time of year my voice just struggles, and I'm not sure why, but uh, you pray for me, amen? Out of worship, verse 7 and 8. Upon a lofty and high mountain hast thou set thy bed, even thou went up to offer sacrifice. Behind the door also in the post hast thou set up remembrance, for thou hast discovered thyself to another than me, and art gone up thy the Lord's thy bed, and made thee a covenant with them. Thou lovest their bed where thou sawest it. Number six, indifference towards children. Notice verse five. Inflaming yourselves with idols under every tree, slaying the children in a valley under the clefts of the rocks. Number seven, intimidation, which hinders following God. Verse number 11. To whom hast thou been afraid or feared? Thou hast lied and hast not remembered me, nor laid it to thy heart. Have not, have not I held my peace even of old, and thou fearest me not. Ineffective. Verse 12. And I will declare thy righteousness, and thy works, for they shall not profit thee. Boy, I like notice this insatiable greed. Insatiable greed. Verse 17. For the iniquity of his covenants was our wrath. Smote, and I smote him, and I hid me, and was wroth, and he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. Insatiable greed. For the iniquity of his covenants was our wrath, and smote him. Proverbs 15, 27. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. Boy, number 10. Inflexibility towards God, verse number 17, was wrought, and he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. And I shared all of this to share what got the people here. That's a message in itself. I, I pray you'll read chapter 57 because God comes along right in the middle of all of this sin and disobedience and evil and cold-heartedness towards God and He gives a remedy. I thank God He always has a remedy. But when you hate to go to the doctor, doctor come out and say, well, I know what's wrong with you. You got this, you got this, you got this. Okay, doctor, what do I take? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do to help you. I know what's wrong with you, but I don't know how to help you. Boy, I'm glad this morning. Hallelujah. We serve a God that has a remedy. He has a remedy. This morning, you may be in one of those ten places. You may be there. Now let me say something here right up front of who, before, before we go any further, I want to be clear about who and what God is. Number one, He's a high 
and lofty one. Talking about his position. Amen? Talking about his position. He's a high and lofty one. Number two, his name is holy. Praise God. His name is holy. His home is a high and holy place. Amen. Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. You understand something here this morning. God has a remedy. And his remedy was found in verse number 15. Notice what he said. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Here's the remedy. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. He desires, He desires this morning to revive your heart. He desires to renew your heart. He desires to regain your heart. He desires today to do something for you that nobody else in this world can possibly do. I want to take that word, revive, in the letters of that word, because he said, I will revive the heart of the humble and the contrite one. I want to take the letters of that word, revive, and give you his remedy. If you'll apply the remedy God will do His part and revive your heart. Number one, the letter R. Repentance. Repentance. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, here's repentance. And turn from their wicked ways. Repentance is not a very complicated word. Let me show you what repentance is. Is everybody watching? Repentance is you're going this way and you turn about face and go a different way. That's repentance. I was the other day, I met a young lady, had an opportunity by chance. To witness to her. Gave her one of the tracks and, and, uh, I started to ask her. I said, well, remember you said, and immediately she said, I know, I know I'm saved by God's grace. Then her head dropped and she said, but trouble, Seems to follow me everywhere. I said, Well, ma'am, it might be 
Trouble's not a following you. It might be you're going in the way of trouble. You're going with the people that are trouble and to the places that are trouble. Maybe you ought to come to church. They're not perfect, but they won't get you in trouble. Oh, you better not. I I said, if you're going one direction, you got to turn, go another direction. You can ignore this message all you want to. You can look at everything you want to. But until you repent, you'll never get a place with God. God's not playing games. God's not playing games. You can ignore the message. I ain't paying attention. You can look at the book. You can do whatever you want to do. But the reality is, till God sees a repentance in our hearts, a turning from the way we're going, you know what? It's going to shock you. I'm amazed at people. I'm amazed. How you doing? We're doing just fine. We're just doing just fine. But the truth is, the life's a mess. But if you keep going the same way you're going, doing the same thing you're doing, guess what? You're going to keep getting the same thing you're getting. If you want it different, if you want it changed, there's got to be some repentance. Revelation chapter 2. Verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Has there ever been a time you loved the Lord more than you love Him this morning? You've left your first love. He didn't leave you. He didn't leave you. You left Him. He's never left you. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Turn about face. Don't go that way. Stop going the direction you're going. Change. Don't go there. Don't get further out than what you are. Don't get further from me, he says. Repent. He said, you got someone against you. You left your first love. He said, remember and repent. Turn. You know what God said he'd do? He said, if you draw nigh to him, he would draw nigh to you. You know what happens? You know what happens? When we draw nigh to God, we make a step towards him. He makes a step towards us. But when we make a step away, he's standing there waiting for us to turn and repent. He went on to say, and do the first works, or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick of his place. Boy, it's possible to serve God for a lot of different motives. For the praise of men, for prestige, for a position, for a reputation, or else out of a sense of duty. But I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing like serving Him 
out of devoted passion for the Lord and loving Him. In the midst of the service, in the midst, boy, Ephesus was busy, busy, busy. They were busy. But they forgot to love the one they were busy for. And he said, I'll give you a warning. He said, remember from therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first word and hear notice. He gave him a warning. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick of its place, except thou repent. We'll share an illustration with you. Perhaps there's no illustration that I hate to have to even share. Probably one of the dearest preacher friends I ever had. He wasn't my physical brother, but he could have been. God saved him, saved his wife. His children saved him, called him to preach. Now he was, he was a dear friend. I, I'm honestly tell you, he just he's a dear friend. God chose to take his wife to heaven. A year later, God chose to take him. Me and Brother Watts is in the church to do the funeral. And when the deacon come up and made this statement, I never get it, he said, I believe God has taken our candlestick out of our church. That word candlestick's messenger, the pastor. He said, I believe God's took the candlestick out of our church. That's been two or three years now. That pastor, neither one of his children in church now. His grandchildren are not in church now. Their marriages is crumbling. The deacon has shared that. He's not in church now. His family's not in church now. His grandchildren are not in church now. And everyone, almost, I don't, I don't know the one in that church that's going now faithfully and serving God. You see, we're playing, we're playing with this thing. See, that church got to the point was they wouldn't listen to the man of God they had. They wouldn't, they wouldn't pay no attention. Because he called me and he said, I, I can't get him to do no way at all, preacher. What I, what I do, I said, pray for him, brother. And, 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 and I believe with all my heart, because he was a good, he loved the, and God took him out. You understand, the boy, God to do something for us. If God does something for us, some's going to have to repent, have a turnabout face. You want to change your mind about some things. Notice the second letter. E, exalting. Psalms 99, 9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. 
Isaiah 25, Oh Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsel of all of faithfulness and truth. When we are bent on backsliding, there will be a lack of exalting the Lord. And you say, I, I don't believe that. Hosea 11 7. And my people are bent, determined. I don't care what you say, Hosea. We're bent on backsliding from me. Though they call, though they call them to the most high, none at all would exalt him. One of the things that shows a failure of repentance is a lack of exalting God for who He is. You think your opinion, don't you listen to me, you think your, don't miss this, don't miss this. You think your opinion, your thinking is bigger and greater than Almighty God's. And there's no exalting. There's something about when we repent. David, Isaiah said, And I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He says, Woe is me. My man of unclean lips. Boy, he's not exalting God until he gets himself cleaned up. And then he goes back to exalting God. There's something about when our heart is right, that we want to exalt the Lord. When's the last time you had a Holy Ghost fed of thanking God and praising God for all that He's done? Last Sunday night, there's a heap of all that going on around here. All over the church, people popping up. But I just want to thank the Lord. How good. He's been to me. Let me say this. I want to help you. Don't, 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 don't boo me out. Don't boo me out. You boo me out, I pray God gives you the itch. Don't boo me out. You don't have to feel it to thank the Lord. When before me and Darlene, while we was dating... While we was dating, I told her I love her, and I was very passionate about it. <laughs> After 40, almost 43 years, sometimes I'm not passionate about it. Love you. Mine's on 10,000 miles away. Love you. I've said, hey, by the way, but she still wants to hear that. I bet you she's asked me a thousand, if not a thousand times on Sunday. Oh, we go, okay, how'd I look? And I've often thought, and I'm just going to make it public, I've often thought, you know, now there have been a couple times, and I know some of you spineless wonders wouldn't do this. I tell you, you're looking at a man. (laughs) 
cheap on some things. I said, no, 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 no. I, I don't go in details. I don't, con- I said, no, 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 no. Just didn't look good. But most of the time, she'll ask me, I said, that looks wonderful. That looks great. I don't have to feel that to exalt her. May I say something here today? You don't have to have a feeling to exalt Jesus. I'm glad I'm saved. I don't have to feel I don't have to feel anything. I know I'm saved. I'm glad I have a feeling. Don't boo me out. I, I'm glad I feel something in my soul. If it feels good to say, well, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm not going to die and go to hell. I'm glad I know Jesus. But I don't have to feel it to exalt Him. See, some of you so hung up on yourselves, you can't exalt Christ. I, I, I encourage you to repent. Exalt. Not the, the letter V. Value. Value. May hang around here a little while. You're not what you say. Not what you say. But your actions prove what you value. Your actions Say every day what you value. Paul Harvey told a story of a Boston preacher by the name of Dr. S.D. Gordon. Placed a beat up, bent, rusty old birdcage beside his pulpit when he told the story. An unwashed, unkept little lad about 10 years old was coming up the alley swinging this old cage. In the cage, he had several birds shivering on the floor on the inside. Dr. Gordon asked the boy, said, son, what you got there? He said, I got some birds. He said, how'd you get them? He said, I trapped them. What are you going to do with them birds? Boy said, I'm going to play with them. I'm going to have fun with them. Preacher said, well, sooner or later, you're going to get tired of them. Then what are you going to do with them? He said, i got some cats at home. Cats like birds. Dr. Gordon said, how much do you want the birds for the birds? Mister, you don't want these old birds. Plain old field birds, they ain't worth nothing. They can't sing. They're ugly. Just tell me, how much do you want for them? Well, the grubby little lad thought about it and he looked at it and he said, $2. Dr. Gordon reached in his pocket, handed the boy $2. He took the cage. The boy hurried up the alley laughing. He'd gotten a good deal. In the sheltered crevice between the buildings, 
Dr. Gordon opened the cage, tapped on the rusty exterior, and encouraged the little birds one at a time to fly out through the door. Then the preacher, and I want to tell how once upon a time, Jesus and the devil engaged in a negotiation. Satan had boasted he had baited and trapped in Eden's garden and called himself a world full of people. What are you going to do with them? I'm going to play with them. Tease them. I'll make them marry and divorce, fight and kill one another. I'm going to teach them to throw bombs at one another. I'm going to have fun with them. Can't have fun with them forever, Jesus said. Then what you going to do with them? Satan said, I got a hell I want to put them in. Where they'll burn and squirm forever. How much do you want for them? Can you be serious? They'll just spit on you. Hate you, hit you, beat you. Then they'll nail you to a cross, drive a spear in your side. You don't want them. They're good for nothing. They're worthless. Jesus said, how much Satan thought the silver of your tears and the gold of your blood. That's what it cost you. Jesus mounted a cross and paid the price to set us If the Son therefore Shall make you free. You shall be free indeed. See the value he's placed on me and you. That's how much you were worth to him. Can I ask you, how much value do you put? On your service to Him. What will the devil buy tonight's service for? How much can he purchase your service, your time? How much value do you put? Oh, church, too many of us, too many of us are careless with the holy things. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphire, with Sapphire's right, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being private to him brought a piece, a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Kept back. What are you keeping back?
What, how, how much can the devil buy you prayer life for? How much can he buy you time in the Word of God for? First Peter 3, 4, But let it be the hidden men of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Even an ornament of meek and his quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. Our repentance. E exalted. Thee we see the value. The value he has placed on us. And we ought to place on him. Notice the next letter, I. Intercessory prayer. When someone falls by the wayside, do we want to talk about what happened? Do we want all the details? What would happen if we decided to intercede to God on their behalf? You see, when there's repentance and exalting and a value, we begin to realize that those around us need us to praying for them and to pray for one another. We'll intercede. It'll intercede. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I stand to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. By Two Sunday nights, we've had our bus kids come and young people sing in the choir. When the service was over, one of the boys come up and said, Pastor, would you pray for me that I could pass my EOGs? Uh, that I would pass my EOGs. I said, well, let's mean you pray right now. So I prayed with him. That was the first Sunday night. Second Sunday night, last Sunday night, not only did he come, but he brought five more with him. They gathered around me, would you pray that we would pass our EOGs? Now you say, that's silly. No, it's not to them. That's not to them. Them the other children, that's not to them. That's as important as what you pray for, and maybe more so, they said, and I said, yep, let's just pray right now. Just pray for them. I wonder tonight, well, when we have God's answer for troubled times, we can begin to intercede. Well, everybody's, everybody. I, 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 was, I was thinking one night, I was over here praying, and I was walking down every aisle, and I was thinking about everybody that, that uh, uh, sits on the aisles. And you know what? Boy, you people have got a lot of troubles. Man, I, I mean, on every pew, there was a need of some kind. Boy, I got to thinking about, Lord, that's, and I just thought, I said, God, we all need help. We need your help. We got to intercede one for another. When we, when we start being revived, we repent. Now, you can't intercede for others if you're hell being on backsliding and repenting, not, not repenting. You can't intercede. God won't honor your prayer. He won't hear you. 
And you can intercede. We exalt, we value, we intercede. Then notice, notice another letter of V, volunteering. Boy, I love this. Isaiah chapter 6, I want you to listen carefully. Because in Isaiah chapter 6, we have the whole message. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood his seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Wow, I'd like to have been there. Notice, repentance. Then said, ah, woe is me. I don't want to upset you. I really don't. I love this people. I love you that are here today. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. If we stood in God's presence, you know what we'd say? Woe is me. We all would say that. Woe is me. For I'm undone. We fall on our faces before our thrice holy God. We fall on our faces and say, Woe is me, God. I'm undone. I'm undone. God help me. We'd all fall on our face. Lord, help us to get over ourselves. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Notice the interceding. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Notice the exalting. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the serpents in me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs. Mouth the altar and laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this I touched thy lips. Now my iniquity is taken away, and I sin purged. See the value. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Notice the volunteering. Then said I, Here I am. Send me. When, when revival comes, a good gauge is serving once again becomes a privilege. I didn't, I seen a lot of them get off the bus this morning. A wiping sweat. No perspiration. That's better. But for the big people sweating, bless God, just sweating. They were sweating. But I didn't hear them complaining. I didn't hear them complaining. They off that bus after serving. And they'll get on that bus this evening. They'll probably say, boy, it's hot on this bus. But I don't believe they'll be complaining. One of the gauges of a real revival is when serving becomes a privilege. 
I've been reminded of that. Last few weeks. What a privilege it is. What a privilege. What a privilege it is to serve my church. More than that, what a privilege it is to serve the Lord. When service becomes a job, you ought to get out of it. Get your real job. When serving becomes a grudgery, when I have to go to work, you ought to get out of it. Because real service is when it's a privilege and an honor. Because it, it, it just flows into everything that you do. Volunteering. I don't come to church to hurry and get it over with. I come to church to get in, not get out. Brother Rocky used to say that. They ain't come to church to get out, I come to church to get in. They come in a hurry and rush out the door. Lord, I'd hate to have to do that every service. But now let me say, also say this. I didn't come to church to stay all day while some of you talk either, bless God. Go home. Just go home. All right. I love the fact you serve and want to be here. Go home after a while. It has something. I love that. Volunteering, then last of all, an eternal reward. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where three thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me say this. I would to God, I prayed for this last night, I would to God that we would be as concerned, excited, burdened, bothered about when our spiritual treasures are being stolen away as much as we would be bothered if we were at home and you're building doors open and all your stuff's missing. I, I know how that feels. I've been there. But I refuse to get more excited, more bothered, more concerned about stuff in a building than I'm about my spiritual condition of where I'm at with God. And the devil's stolen that away. And the devil will steal that away. A very rich man, wealthy man, had lived in a lap of luxury all of his life. Had had everything he wanted, but he got saved very late in life, went to heaven. He saw the mansions, saw 
everything. And he thought, man, the street of gold. Man, what a, what a, what a, what a blessing. And then he was taken to a little cottage. And he said, this is all I've got. And the nurse said, I mean the nurse. The angel said, this is all you sent to build with. Now we know it don't work that way. But we are laying up treasures in heaven. Or you're using your treasures up on earth. Do we get more excited, more fervent about where we're going to invest our money? But then we won't invest anything into God. The answer to trouble, right in the middle of all of irreverence, in the midst of all that I, t- I told you about, in the midst of all of this uh, uh, irreverence, uh, idolatry, indifference, intimidation, ineffectiveness, insatiable, in the midst of all of this, God said, the answer is, I will revive. The answer is, revive. A repentance, an exalting, intercessory prayer, exalted value, intercessory prayer, volunteering, and He gives an eternal reward. This morning, God wants to revive you. Here's the question. Will you let Him? Let me read the verse one more time. For thus saith the high and lofty one inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with Him also that is of contrite and humble spirit to revive the heart, the spirit of the humble. If your pride keeps you where you're at, you'll never know revival. He said, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. So I'll stand to her feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Hear this.